My name is James Gleason, and I want to welcome you to the weekend teaching ministry of Sunrise Church here in Hillsboro, Oregon. Now, Sunrise is a church devoted to being a safe place to hear a life-changing message. And our vision is to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so every weekend, we share a message of hope from God's Word, the Bible. Now, if you'd like to know more about discovering and growing in a relationship with the God who loves you, please take a moment to visit our website at www.isunrise.com. Now, from there, you can learn how to connect with the God who loves you. And you can learn how to grow with others along the journey of life. You can learn to develop a heart to serve the least, the last, and the lost. And finally, you can learn how to lead others to know Jesus Christ on this journey of disciples making disciples. And so now I invite you to follow along with our weekend message as you discover the heartbeat of God. For those of you who don't know who I am, my name's Taylor. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and I am currently now the youth pastor. So I've transitioned roles here a little bit at Sunrise to, to move into the youth pastor. Super exciting season for me. Um, ready to get in there with a bunch of the youth here at Sunrise and get in the trenches and really love on them and pour into them. Uh, but where we're going today is we're going to go to this idea of Jesus calling Matthew. And you can turn to page 7... 39 in your chairback Bibles. I had to look that up real quick. Um, and we're going to go through the story. If you want to walk through it with us this morning, it, we can go through the slides as well. I'll put them up on there. I'll let you cheat um, in that sense. But we're just going to read it and then I'll pray and we'll get going. So uh, it says in Matthew 9, verse 9, it says, As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, Why does your teacher eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. And then he added, now go and learn the meaning of the scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come not to call, to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Let's pray. Lord, uh, we just come before you this morning and we, we got a lot of stuff going on, God. We always have a lot of stuff going on. And I would, I pray that... Whatever's going on, Lord, that we could just give it to you right now. That whatever we came in with, whatever is going on in our lives, that we could just surrender it to you. That you would just kind of peel through some walls that we've been holding up for a while, God. That you would kind of go right through them into our hearts and into the depth of who we are, God. Because we're all on a story, we're all on a journey, and we're all in different places in that journey, God. And I pray that you would encounter us right where we're at. That it would be all about you this morning and nothing else. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Does anyone know what the paleo diet is? Anyone in here? A couple hands I'm not speaking to. All right. Well, it's one of those things that's like the worst experience you'll ever do. And you get to choose how long it lasts, which doesn't last long in my case. Um, well, it's, so just for some of you who don't know what it is in the room and someone who's a little bit more a nutrition person, person can give you the real expert advice on why it works. Um, I just follow what my wife says. She says, we're going on the paleo. I do it. All right. I don't ask questions. I learned that real fast. I'm not even three years married yet. But uh, November 15th, though, it's coming up. I remember that. See, I'm good. I got some stuff figured out. Uh, <laughs> 
But no, so the paleo is basically you can't eat anything good. That's the general summary of it. But the reality is, is that you, you can't eat. I think I've got a list here just in case I couldn't remember it all on the stage. I do have a list. You can't eat uh, grains, dairy, sugar, soy. I mean, anything good. No, nothing with carbs in it, basically. It's kind of killing all the carbs and wherever they come from. The processed sugars, all that. No bread, no ice cream, no milk, none of that stuff. And you can eat bacon. You can eat all kinds of meat. Thank you. Thank you. I eat all kind. Well, I eat all kinds of meat. I kind of have my own version, and I, I make it work inside my realm. All right. And someone always told me, so you can't eat this, and the whole goal is that you'll lose weight. I mean, that was my reason I'm going on it. But it also, it cuts back all the processed foods that go into your diet. I mean, it's, it's pretty healthy for the most part. Um, it's the idea is that you're eating everything that they would eat back in the paleo days of what was around. That's kind of where it gets its generalized name from. And a lot of people tell me, well, that's not true because if, the, if anyone from the paleo era was around today, they would eat everything that we have. And I go, that's true. So <laughs> it kind of defeats the purpose of calling it that. But I... I wasn't the one who came up with the name. It was someone else. I just follow the rules. So I actually have had success on this diet once in my life. I, I hopped on it about two years ago, and I did it for a solid three months. I'm one of those guys, I'm all in or I'm all out. There ain't no in-between. And so I hop on it, and it's the beginning of August, and I, start, I, I dropped a ton of weight. It was crazy. And some of you are thinking, Taylor, you don't need to drop weight. But that's not the point, okay? It worked. Um, and so I did, because you've never been down the ice cream aisle with me, all right? Tillamook and me, we got it on. <laughs> Salted butterscotch is my new favorite, all right? That's a side note. Um, but basically, one of the things is, is that it, it helped me lose all this weight. So I was a big believer in it and, wh- and what, it would really, what it was bringing into my life. But then all of a sudden, vacation came, and I said, that's not happening anymore. And as time went on, we kind of adjusted our eating habits and our lifestyle to really reflect a lot of the paleo with the exception of a few things. And so we really were never on the paleo, but we'd have seasons where we're like, hey, my wife and I are like, we're going to get back in it. We're going to hop back on the paleo. And so we'd, we'd hop back on and it, I don't think we ever really got on good again. We maybe did it for like a week or two. That was our like longest span of time. But we'd start hitting this thing like, hey, we're going to start it next week. Like our busy season stops. We're going to start it next week. And we continue to tell ourselves that. And my wife was actually pretty good. I'll tell you that. She would only cheat if I was the culprit. I, I, I lead us to temptation. All right. And, and so that's how it would go constantly. I'd be like, Oh, we're starting. And so I kind of started this running joke. Like the paleo starts tomorrow. Like it always starts tomorrow. I'd be like, you know, we'd start breakfast would be good. Cause I make breakfast in, in our house and I make a good mean breakfast and we'd have a healthy paleo breakfast. And then all of a sudden we get to work and someone would bring something in here that was like really good Wendy Bender who's not here and it'd be like blueberry muffins or something like that and I'm like oh paleo starts tomorrow <laughs> and so it's like it kind of became my running joke in how I how I really approached um, my, the diet scene and I've never really successfully been on the paleo except for maybe a meal here and there since the time I was successful for three months because my joke is hashtag paleo starts tomorrow and I kind of think it's funny and it's great. It's a fantastic way to live. I think it's truly how we as people live. We live with a tomorrow mindset. We was like, tomorrow is the day that I'll change. Tomorrow is the day that I'll get on that healthy diet. Tomorrow I'll start the paleo. Tomorrow I'll get back in the gym. Tomorrow is the day that I will, I'll change things around. I'll go and see that counselor. Tomorrow's the day. 
Tomorrow is when I'll get my life back on track. Tomorrow is when I'll get out of that bad relationship. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. We like to put things off. And with the culture that does that, it also brings up the idea that we live as if tomorrow is promised. Like it's guaranteed. Like, I mean, seriously, everything we're set up for is if tomorrow is promised. The only thing that isn't that is life insurance, okay? Everything else, it's a five-year loan on the car. It's a 30-year loan on the house. It's, I mean, seriously, we live as if tomorrow is promised. Some of you are sitting in this room today and you're thinking about tomorrow. Tomorrow I'll call my mom and tell her I love her. Tomorrow I'll tell my wife I love her. Tomorrow I'll do the chores. That's mine. But we really live as if it's guaranteed and if it's promised and if, it's, if everything is on it. Tomorrow I'll get clean and sober. Tomorrow's the day. And we keep putting off everything because one day we think we're going to will ourselves to start it tomorrow. And the reality is, is at some point in this journey through life, there will be no tomorrow. There never will. And I'm not trying to get deep with you as much as I'm just trying to get you to realize that we tell ourselves that. We live in a culture that's talking about tomorrow. And one day there will be no tomorrow because this planet is not our home. It's not where we belong. It's not here. It's in heaven. It's eternity. We're living beyond this place. This is just a stop on the journey. But we live as if this is our home and as if tomorrow is guaranteed. But the reality is, is that for some of you today could be the day that you stop saying tomorrow. Today could be the day. You can make that change today. Whatever that is, whatever God's calling you to, you can make the change that today could be the day that you finally change, that you finally make that decision. Whatever that is, you know what it is. You know what God's pressing in on your heart. You know where it's at. But we live as if tomorrow is it and as if life change can't happen today. And I believe that God wants to come into your lives and he wants to change the trajectory of your life today. He wants to come in and do it today. He wants to do it now. And it doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean you won't try to return to the tomorrow mindset. But he wants to do it today. He will forever change your life today if you let him. And sometimes all you have is truly today. There might not be a tomorrow. And that's what we see in the story today. We see... Matthew at his tax collector's booth sitting there for Jesus is going to walk by him. And so as we get into it and we talk about verse nine here, it says, as, a, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple. Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Matthew got up and followed him. What I think is always so interesting is like when we have testimonies and we put people up, we always like, we want to put the best one forward, right? We want to put our best testimony out there for you guys to see what's going on in people's lives. Mainly the reason we do that is because we want you to experience what happens when you say, see someone that's struggling with the same thing you're struggling with and they broke free and you're still there. So you can say me too. I didn't know I was the only one. And so we try to put a lot of testimonies out there. We do them in the baptisms. We, do, we try to put really good ones out there for you guys because everyone has a great story and everyone has a transformation of where God is coming and working in their life. And that's exactly what we try to do every stinking week. And when we have the baptism videos, we try to let a testimony show up there because we want you to see that it's not just you who's struggling with the same thing. And so in a sense, Matthew is sharing his own story today. 
That's what I love about this. The gospel of Matthew is written by this very Matthew. So he is sharing his testimony. And in verse 9, this is it. This is the testimony. 34 words. That's his testimony of following Jesus. I can't get mine out in 34 words. And he does. And a lot of us are going, that's it? That's all? You didn't, like, you got up and, and, and left and followed Jesus right then and there. No questions asked. I mean, this is Matthew recording the story. This is all he's sharing. It's like, was there any doubts? Was there any, I mean, he eventually would go and lay down his life for the gospel. Matthew would die. It's like, did you know that? that? What made you want to get up and follow Jesus? What made you think Jesus was real? What made you walk away? Like, what was going on, Matthew? Did you consider anything than just kind of abandoning and walking away? Because you're looking a little crazy to me. There's no hesitation. Nope. I just got up and followed him. Did he say something else? He said, follow me and be my disciple. I followed him. No other words, nothing in between. Nope, I followed him. Those were the words we're supposed to read right there. That was it. There wasn't supposed to be extra words. This is the gospel. And God didn't make any mistakes when he put this out here for us to read and for it to be the living word in our lives. But the one thing he does mention in the story is the fact that he was sitting at his tax collector's booth. And what you need to understand about that is that might have been all he really needed to say out of this part of the story. Because what would happen is that tax collectors, we, we like, yeah, tax collectors, they kind of hated and everything back in the day. No, no, no. They are the scum of the earth back in the day. They are the worst thing possible. Because what Matthew does is the Roman government owns, this Jew, owns the Jewish nation at the time. And so Matthew, as a Jew, who's a current Jew, could go and buy a franchise, which would allow him to tax his own people. So therefore, he's, ta- he's a part of the Roman government. He's a traitor to his own people. He's a current Jew taxing his own Jews. And to go even deeper than that, there'd probably, there's two kinds of tax collectors back in the day. You know, one was just a, could be like a property tax collector, like just a flat rate. Like that was the normal, like you, there was no extra on that. And then there was a subjective tax person. Like they could tax kind of on different things, whatever they wanted to tax. So you got kind of the better tax. If you're going to be a tax collector, this the good fixed rate one. That's the one you wanted to be. But then there's another one where you could be a little bit more subjective in what you were taxing on and how much you were taxing on. And that's where we find Matthew. But actually, even deeper than that, some people would be a tax collector, but they would pay other people to do it for them so that they weren't the ones kind of like going straight to the person and taking their money from them. So they didn't look like the full-on trader to their own Jewish society at the time. But Matthew is sitting at his tax collector's booth, which means Matthew isn't even paying someone. He's doing it himself. And he's the subjective tax tax collector in the story, which means he's living with these people, he's in relationship with these people, and he's taking their money from them right on the spot. And he could take more if he wanted to take more. He could keep some to himself. He's the scum of the earth. He is really messing with his own people. He's taking from them. He's extorting them. He's doing everything to them. And so, as we look at the encounter of what's going on, Jesus comes on the scene, which everyone probably kind of had an idea that Jesus is preaching this gospel message, this something new, exciting, the kingdom of God message, this kingdom of heaven message. And then all of a sudden, Matthew, everyone knows Matthew, because Matthew's taking their money. And Matthew's considered the scum of the earth. He wouldn't be allowed in the synagogue. The system in place, the religious system in place, would never allow for him to walk in to the synagogue. There's no way. He can't have forgiveness. He could leave his tax collecting job, but he ain't walking into the synagogue. 
He's already done too much. There's no mercy. There's no forgiveness. There ain't that stuff. And so all of a sudden, Jesus, the kingdom of heaven message, everyone's welcome, collides with Matthew, who doesn't deserve forgiveness. And they meet here. And as Jesus reaches out and comes along and says, follow me and be my disciple, you could hear a pin drop in the room. That this would have been crazy. It's like, Jesus, do you understand who you're talking to? This is, the, this is like the prostitute. This is the tax collector. This is the murderer, the traitor. Like, how could you go to him when we are the ones who are living up to the law over here? But yet, Jesus calls Matthew. So Matthew gets up and he follows him. He follows him all the way, and it's, that's all we have to the details of the story. But what I love about Matthew is he's, really, he's pretty humble because there's not a lot mentioned in that text. There's not a lot there. He doesn't share much about himself, but if you go to Luke's account of the story, Luke, the Gospel of Luke, he shares, he shares the story as well. But he shares the words that Matthew left everything. He left everything. Matthew's just like, I followed Jesus. And Luke's like, no, 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 no. You left everything. You left status in the Roman government. You left a lucrative career. You had power. You left it all. See, the other disciples, when they leave and follow Jesus, they can go back fishing. As a matter of fact, they do go back fishing. They can go pick up their nets and they can go find their boat. And they can go do that when it's all said done. Matthew walks away. He's got nothing to walk back to because it won't be there anymore. They'll fill his spot. They'll put someone else in who wants to be a traitor to their people. Matthew's given up everything to follow Jesus, and he does it in a moment. But he's so humble because he doesn't mention any of that. Because it's not about Matthew as much as it's about Jesus. It's not about how much you leave when you follow Jesus. It's about how much you gain. And so Matthew actually throws a a party for, for Jesus. Like he throws a banquet and makes Jesus the guest of honor. That's what Luke tells us in his story. Matthew doesn't say that. This is what Matthew says. Matthew says, later on, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. Something so powerful happened in Matthew's life in that moment that he left everything that he says, I got to get my friends around him. These are his friends. These are who he's hanging out with. Disreputable sinners. He's hanging out with the least, last, and lost. He's hanging out with the prostitutes. He's hanging out with the robbers. He's hanging out with other tax collectors. That's who he is. That's his friends. And he's like, I got to get them to Jesus. I got to get them to come hang out with him. Actually, I got to get Jesus to them. So I'm going to host a dinner. I'm going to make Jesus the guest of honor. And I'm going to have them come. Like, what happened, Matthew, that all of a sudden your life from stealing from people happens to, I'm going to bring all my friends over and hope they experience the same thing. I want them to experience the same thing. Something so powerful happened in Matthew in just a few verses in his entire life happens right here. It's like, what's what's the why, Matthew? Where's the why in the story? Truly, what is the why? You're not sharing a whole lot. You're not giving us a whole lot of insight in what's going on here. Why would, you, why would people leave everything? Why would you leave everything to follow Jesus? How do you know he's real? How do you know it's worth it? And as the story goes on, we get our why. We get what happened in the very next verses. Because in, in 11 through 13, it says, But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with such scum? 
When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of the scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Matthew left everything because he knew he was a sinner. He knew he had fallen short of the law. He knew where he stood in society, and he realized that Jesus was the Savior that he needed. That's why Matthew left it all. It's like, it's so simple. It's like, that's it? Yeah, he came to the end of himself, because Matthew could never leave the tax collector's booth to go to anything else. Like I said, the system would never allow that. There was nowhere to go. He had hit the end of his rope. He had hit this spot in his life that there was nowhere to go. The only hope was if Jesus came by. The only hope was right here. The miracle was in the fact of verse 9 when Jesus walks by. That was the only hope Matthew had of leaving that life. And I think Jesus will take you to a point where the only hope you have is if he shows up. The only hope you have is if he walks by your life. If he invites you in to what he's doing. But the Pharisees, they want nothing to do with this. They're like, what? why are you eating with such scum? Their righteousness is beyond the charts. Why are you eating with such scum? Why are you inviting them into your place? You know what we do here? We invite that in all the time. Because I am that, and along with many other people in this room, but also the fact that, guess what? We are going to, in less than a month, we're going to open up our doors to anywhere from 40 to 60 homeless people, our homeless friends. They're going to be in here. They're actually going to be in service on Saturday nights because that's where a lot of them go. They come to service and then they go and they check in at the shelter. We have a 90-day homeless shelter that runs during the coldest parts of the year. And I'm not going to say this as well as my wife. She's the director of the shelter, but I'm going to do my best job to explain it. You know, we, we open up these doors because we believe that everyone's a part of the body. We believe that everyone deserves to be affirmed and loved on and cared for. And when you do that and when you open your doors and when you open your table, you don't know what's going to walk in. You don't know what's going to walk in. You don't know if you're going to have the robber, the murderer. You don't know what's going to come in that door. But all you do know is it's going to smell. Because the only shower they get is in the shower that we are building back there in the kitchen and cafeteria. That's the shower they're going to get. And the food they're going to eat is going to come from that kitchen back there. Because we have this idea that we're going to live with the doors open. And we understand it's going to bring chaos. It's going to bring havoc. That's why we've got to have a safety team ready to do things in case we don't know what could happen on the weekend. Anyone could walk through these doors. Homeless, not homeless, it doesn't matter. But when you open up your doors and you say, hey, everyone's invited. Everyone's welcome because that's what Jesus said. You don't know what you're going to get. But we're going to house these people. We're going to have, have them sleeping on mats and sleeping bags. We're going to be cooking meals for them. We're going to invite them in because we love them. Because they're just where we're at. That they're just in the same, they're in a different part of the journey. Yeah, I've got a house that I go home to and they don't. That's about the difference in it. Some of them haven't been given the same cards that I was given at the beginning of my life. And when they come in, it disrupts things and it messes things up. And it's like, it's, it's uncomfortable. But we embrace that because that's what Jesus embraced. We understand that when we love on people that are a little bit different than us, a little bit maybe are stretching us, we've we put them in a box, we've defined them, we think we know what they're all about. When we love on those people, that's when we're most like Jesus. It's not easy. It's kind of hard sometimes. But you know what? 
we think it's worth it. We think it's worth every bit of what it costs, what it is. It puts this building under pressure. But we understand that that's what we want to do because that's the gospel. It's not our service to to humanity. It's what Jesus did. And so we believe that we have to live that out. Matter of fact, when we, when we have the shelter, things happen. There's crazy things that happen. It's fun. I think it's an adventure on the weekends. A couple years ago, we had a guy walk in, and he, he's carrying a bag. And he walks in, he sets it down, he goes and has a seat. And I'll tell you what, in that bag is probably everything that he owns. That's it. When it, when it comes to homeless, our homeless friends and their bags, everything they own is in that bag. Everything I own is in my house. 1,278 square feet. That's what's in mine. Theirs is in a bag. Everything they own is in that bag. Everything that's hold dearly to them in this life is sits in that bag. And this guy walks in. He has this bag. And it stinks, I'm sure. And he walks out. And the guy is on his own journey with Christ. He was actually baptized just the weekend before. And as I come and I finish up service that day, and I, and I, get, a, I get a complaint. And you're going to think, how could someone say this? But to be honest with you, we all say it at different points in our life. They go, you know what? I don't appreciate them bringing their bag into service. And it was a big bag. It was pretty big. I'm not going to lie. I mean, it was, it was a fairly large size. But I don't appreciate them bringing the bag. It was, it was a disruption to service, and it was smelly. I go, you know what we do here, right? Like, And then at the same time, this guy is asking, I kid you not, at the same time, this guy is asking for prayer in areas of strength in his walk with Jesus Christ. He's growing. He got baptized the weekend before. He ain't got it figured out. And I got someone complaining about the bag. I go, the bag is the cost to salvation for this man, all right? For us to do it, all right? For us to be a part of his life and the journey. And it's like, it's disgusting what righteousness will look like sometimes in your life. And as much as I'm not trying to pick apart this person, I'm just trying to say it all shows up in all of our lives. It's just in different areas. It's with family members. It's with different people that look different than us. Our righteousness will show up in the most disgusting moments and it'll look even worse it truly will and the problem with righteousness is it's got pride associated it's got everything associated which means i'm worthy and i deserve that's what you're saying when you hold on to your righteousness i deserve it i've done enough in this life i got the job i went to school i go to work from eight to five every day i get that i understand that we all get that but as i look at this man and he carries his bag in the door And it's smelly and it's stinky and everything else. I kind of ask the question, I go, what bag do I carry into church every weekend? What bag do I strap on every weekend to walk in these doors? I walk in here seven days a week. And I carry a bag. And mine may not have all my personal items in it, but it's, it's got a bag of guilt some days. It's got a bag of shame some days. I carry a bag in. And I believe that we all carry a bag in these doors. I believe we all carry a bag of something from our past. Some trophies that we carry around that have nothing but dust on them because that's all a trophy's good for. It sits on the shelf. Or you can carry it in your bag. And it's something that's happened to you, whether it's abuse, whether you're an addict, whether it's shame, whatever's happened in your past, you carry that bag. And you know what bag you carry. You know it. We all carry a stinking bag and it stinks. It reeks of something in our past. It reeks of righteousness because we are holding on to something that we should have let go a long time ago. It's not about us. And we carry the bag because we're like, I want to carry this bag. I want to hold on to what's going on in my life. I want to have control. 
And when I feel like I can forgive myself, I will forgive myself. And you know how we approach the bags in our lives? We go, Jesus, you're not enough. I'm going to carry this thing out of here today. I carried it into church, and I'm going to carry it out of here. You know what else we say to Jesus? We go, Jesus goes, when are you going to drop your bag? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Eventually. When you're enough. When the blood shed on that cross is real, I'll drop it. That's when I'll drop that bag. And all our bags are different. They come in different sizes. They have different cuts and colors on them. They are all different, my friends, but we carry a bag. And it's something that happened to us in our childhood. It's something that comes maybe from our family. It's something that has come in our walk through this sinful world of earth. We all carry a stinking bag. And so my question to you is, what bag do you carry and are you done carrying it? And I know this is kind of metaphorically speaking, but I believe it's real because we all have stuff and burdens that weigh us down and we come in here and we're tired. And I think some of us, we take off the bag for just a minute because we start to hear a message that says, you know what? Maybe there is a calling in my life. Maybe there is a purpose in my life. And then we walk out those doors and we're quicker than ever to strap on that North Face backpack with 15 ties on it that we can't get out of it during the week. All right. And it's exhausting, and it's got 50 pounds of bricks in it for some of us, and some of us it doesn't have that much, but it's still exhausting. And Jesus comes up to Matthew. Matthew's carrying his past. He's carrying his failures. He's carrying his mistakes. He's carrying everything up to this moment. He comes to this moment. He has nothing left. He's waiting for Jesus to walk by. Jesus walks by and says, follow me. And Matthew leaves everything. He leaves the bag right there. He says, it's not tomorrow, but it's today. I will drop that bag and I will follow Jesus because it's the freedom in Jesus that'll set me free and it'll set you free too. And it started with the words, come and follow me. That's how you drop the bag. I know it's, it's nothing special, but it's come and follow me. Matter of fact, it says this in Matthew 11. Jesus is talking to them. And this comes from the message translation. It says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. That's what I want. That's what I need. And I look at that verse every time I come across. I go, how do I live that way? Come to me. Come to me. Are you going to Jesus? Are you going to God? Are you following Jesus? Or are you going to go, tomorrow. Tomorrow I'll follow you. I can't do it today. I got to go to brunch. I got to go. I got plans. It's family. It's family day. I got this, this, and this. My job's keeping me here tomorrow. Maybe next week. Uh, I go today. Now, this is your moment. I'm telling all of you that this is it. You don't get second chances. Matt, if 
Matthew doesn't go with Jesus at this moment, there might not be another moment ever again in his life. He might have missed out on the forever. This is it. And I want to give you that chance today. I'm not going to tell you that I got all the solutions for you. I know who does. And that's all I want to point you to. I want you to come to Jesus. And so this is how we're going to end this today. We're going to have a prayer team in this room over here. And we got the light on over here. We call it the prayer room. All right. They're going to go in there. They're going to be in there. They're going to be waiting for you. And the reality is we all carry a bag. And they're not there to help you unstrap the bag. They're not there to help you figure everything out in your life or what to do and how to go. They're going to help you put your eyes on Jesus. They're just going to pray for you. They're just going to encourage you. They're just going to walk you on this journey, all right? We're also going to do communion. So we're also going to do. And so I'm going to... You're going to have the option. You can go to communion. You can go to the tables. There's two different ways to respond to the message today. But we don't open up this building so that you can do it alone. All right? We don't believe in doing it alone. You need people. You need support. This is hard stuff. Some of you guys' bags are so full and so heavy of something in the past. You need someone to pray for you because that's where the power's at. Some of you need to be reminded when you walk to that table what you're really doing. What it's really about. It's about saying the blood is enough. The body was enough. Jesus is enough. And so it's all going to happen during this next song. So I'm going to invite Pastor Aaron up in the band. But you guys get to make that choice. You get to make that decision. And so I I just challenge you, which way is it going to be for you? Like, what are you going to do? You have to respond now. You have to respond now. There's no other way. Matter of fact, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to that room. I'm going to that room because I need prayer. I need it. I carry a bag. I'm not kidding with you. I carry my own bags. I carry bags. (laughs) Because I got stuff that's happened to me. I got stuff that I've been through. I do, I, it looks different. It's not the same. I got a different threshold than some of you who've been through a lot worse. But we've all got a bag. And so I'm going to challenge you to come forward, to come to this room. We're all getting up in the service. Some of us are going to the table. Some of us are going to the room. But if you walk out of here today, I swear, you're just going to strap that backpack back on. And it's, you know what it feels like. I don't need to tell you. It wasn't meant for you to carry. It was meant for Jesus. The cross was enough. When you put it on the cross, it's enough. I know I'm repeating myself, but I think you need to get the point. I think you need to understand that's where it's at. Because we preach the same thing every weekend. The power is in Jesus. But we forget constantly. That's why we still carry the same backpack every single day for years, months, centuries. Decades. Because family sin carries on. But I'm going to challenge you with something. I'm not going to pray on my way out. I'm going to invite you to come with me. And it just is with the words that says, come to me. Come to me. Come to Jesus. It's the answer to your solution. I love you guys.
got to come. And you got to come now.